Greetings, brothers and sisters. We praise the Lord for another opportunity to uh, study his word, to uh, get in there and really find what God has for us and hear what God has to say to us. We just can't thank God enough for what he does for us. We are back again in our Bible Matters uh, lesson series. Um, this is a wonderful series uh, that we have been doing where God really just talks to us. Uh, could be about anything, any topic. Uh, there is no uh, necessarily set uh, series that we are following but these are uh, a collection of studies that as God gives them, as God inspires uh, us to talk about and to examine, we go ahead and re record those and make those available. We've had a number of lessons in the Bible Matter series, and this is the next one in that line. And today we're going to talk about confidence in God. Amen. Confidence in God. God, what a wonderful topic, definitely something that we need to talk about, something that uh, needs to be stated and restated over and over again, because it's something that we need to know about from God's perspective. For our study, uh, the scripture we're going to use to springboard into this is found in the book of Psalms. This will be the 20th number of the Psalms, and we will look at verses 7 through 9. So Psalms chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. The Bible reads as follows. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word as always. Look at that first verse uh, in our scripture set, verse number seven. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Confidence, brothers and sisters, is a topic that definitely needs to be covered. Um, the word confidence, if we were to define it uh, in, in, uh, from a world perspective, so this would mean you picking up perhaps a, uh, a Webster's dictionary or any other dictionary that you have handy, uh, you probably come up with a definition that's similar to this. Uh, the Webster's dictionary had it listed as follows. It's a, it's a noun, uh, confidence, assurance, or self-possession a state of mind or a manner marked by easy coolness and freedom from uncertainty. Diffidence, and diffidence simply means modesty or shyness. That's the result of a lack of self-confidence. So that's what diffidence is, okay? Um, or embarrassment. Confidence stresses faith in oneself and one's powers without any suggestion of conceit or arrogance. Now, that's the world definition, okay? That's a uh, uh, what we would find if we were looking in the Merriam-Webster's uh, Dictionary. In fact, that's where I got that uh, for the most part. And as you can see, at the end of the day, um, the world defines confidence, amen, as... Uh, um, defines it as uh, as 
something that is literally a result of yourself, okay? It looks at confidence uh, from a um, individual's perspective. Confidence then, um, if we were to kind of take all of this and perhaps put it in a, in a more meaningful definition that represents the worldview of this, it's a state of self-assurance regarding one's status or ability. And it's often grounded in human achievements. I wanna say that again, bottom line, confidence. It really is at the end of the day, at least from the world perspective, a state of self-assurance regarding one's status or ability, often grounded in human achievements. So as you can see from the world perspective, there's a lot of, an understanding in regard to confidence that is based on us. And confidence, and I want you to understand, it, it, it's not that confidence is a bad thing. And we're, and we're not attempting to prove that. That's not what we're going after in this lesson. But what we are really reaching for in this lesson is to understand it, as with all of the Bible matter lessons, to understand the topic or the subject from God's perspective. Confidence is a good thing in many ways, but confidence can also be a bad thing. Now, as we drill a little bit further into this concept or this topic of, uh, of confidence, let's build a little bit more on this. There are only two primary bases from which confidence comes, okay? There's only two primary bases from which confidence comes, two primary ones. It's either internal, the basis is either internal or the basis is external. Now, there is a third kind of hybrid basis and we'll mention a little bit more about that uh, in in a, in a moment but 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 for all intents and purposes there are only two primary bases from which confidence springs it either comes internally or it comes externally okay there are only two primary basis types because ultimately confidence or the lack of confidence is a state we enter of our own personal choosing. Having confidence or not having confidence is a choice, but it is our choice. It's not a choice that gets forced upon you, okay? It is a choice that we elect, okay? So confidence or the lack of confidence is a state that we enter of our own personal choosing. And that choosing is based either on how we view ourselves, so that's the internal basis that we spoke about, or how we view things outside ourselves. That's the external basis that we talked about. Now, I did mention that there is a hybrid kind of basis. The hybrid basis or the hybrid type comes into play when there is a combination 
of the two base types at work. Okay, so when the confidence springs from a little of the internal and a little of the external, and that can actually happen, okay, it can be a mixture of that. A little internal and external can be the basis from which a person's confidence springs, okay, that, 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 that can actually, uh, actually be. And actually, and in actuality, in the biblical sense, when we, when we look at that, that's actually the way it uh, probably is, is uh, more than likely, um, is, uh, is supposed to be for a child of God. It actually, there's a little bit of both at, at play. There's a healthy amount of each one. And as we go through this, you'll understand what it is that we're talking about. Remember, we are talking about confidence uh, in God and we're talking about um, confidence in general, but from, uh, but, for, uh, but also uh, not just to give us a understanding of the world perspective as we just kind of disclose, but we're talking about confidence in order to build a case for how God uh, views confidence. So we're looking at, or we're reaching for a biblical understanding of what confidence is. Now, there, although confidence only really has two primary sources from which it comes, there are many uh, permutations or, or variations, if you will, it's probably a better word, in which confidence or the lack thereof can manifest in a person, okay? There's two primary bases from which confidence come. But although that's pretty restricted and pretty restrictive, pretty confined as we pretty much just have those, those, those two bases, the way confidence actually shows up though, the way it manifests in a person, okay? There are many, many, many different ways that confidence or the lack of confidence shows up. Confidence or the lack of confidence can show up in your talk. It can show up in your walk. It can show up in your outlook of things. Amen. It can, it can show up in all of those things. It can show up in um, your work ethic. It can show up in your problem solving. It can show up in a number of areas. You literally can pick the area and, and, I, and, and, and whatever that area is that you pick, it is eligible for confidence or the lack of confidence to show up. Confidence, lack of confidence can manifest in many different ways. There are many different variations in which it can manifest in a person. Amen. So with that, let's move a little bit further. With this being the case, okay, it is no wonder, brothers and sisters, that people struggle in the area of confidence. Okay, it's no wonder. There's so many different ways that confidence can can show up and, and, uh, and, 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 and really just kind of manifest it's no wonder that people struggle and sometimes have problems one way or the other with confidence, no confidence or overconfidence. It, people struggle, okay? People struggle in the area of confidence for one reason or another. Now, in the grand picture of God's dealing with us or his people, okay, 
we at times, and we need to understand this, also struggle with and in the area of confidence. So you can look at it from the world and you can look at the world and you can see regularly people struggling with confidence in one way or the other. Either it's too much or it's too little uh, and sometimes absent all together. Well, the world is not the only one. They are not the only ones that struggle with confidence one way or the other. The children of God also struggle in the area of confidence, okay? And that's because it can be, it because, again, because of what it's based on. Remember those two factors, either internal or external, okay? So because of those two factors or those two bases from which confidence springs, Okay, there are a lot of different things that can um, uh, can impact, all right, or influence, um, or uh, our confidence um, portrayal. Okay, we can portray or manifest it in many different ways. All right, amen. Confidence is no wonder a huge theme in scripture. It is a big, big topic. And the Bible has much to actually say on the topic of confidence. See, God takes the subject of confidence in the Bible uh, and adjusts it and, and, and tweaks it, okay, so that you and I can see it in its purest form. So the Bible deals with confidence. Confidence is a reality. It's a real thing. It is a thing. Having it, having too much of it, or having none of it, or having a little of it, that stuff is, that is legitimately represented in the scripture. And so the Bible does not shy away from the topic of confidence. Amen. It does not do that at all. This is why we're using as a springboard for, for our text, Psalms 27 through 9, that first verse says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. That first part, okay, the A portion of that verse says some trust in chariots and some in horses, okay? The, that whole topic here or that whole A portion is has to do with confidence. When the Bible deals with confidence, when the scripture deals with confidence. One of the words that is used as a synonym to represent it is trust, okay? When the Bible deals with trust, especially what a person puts their trust in or the object of someone's trust, okay, that the Bible is bringing in or is bringing up many times the topic of confidence. And that's something that you and I want to make sure that we are aware of. When the Bible deals with confidence, we said, God takes the subject and then he adjusts it or he tweaks it, so to speak, so that when we see it in scripture, we don't just see, we don't just see confidence for confidence sake. No, he tweaks it and, and adjusts it so that or deals with it in such a manner so as to show us the purest form of confidence, amen. Now let's build on that. So in essence, what we are really saying, brothers and sisters, is that 
we get to see in scripture what confidence was actually and truly designed to be. That's what God does for you and for me when he covers the topic of confidence in the scripture. God doesn't just cover it. He shows you what it is supposed to be. Amen. Amen. How does he do this? God does this in scripture by way of showing us what he does and does not approve of in the area of confidence. Amen. Amen. God literally shows us what confidence is truly supposed to be by showing us, disclosing to us, teaching us what he approves of and what he disproves of in the area of confidence. A believer's confidence, family, is to be grounded in what God has done for the believer and who God is. And that's what it's supposed to be, okay? And we're gonna dig further into that so that we have a better understanding of that. A believer's confidence is to be grounded in who God is and what God has done for you and I, rather than what we are able to achieve on our own. And that's the stark difference between the confidence that God authorizes and that the Bible outlines versus the confidence that the world outlines. The world's outline of confidence is a expose, a, just a grandiose picture on the topic of I, me, and my, for the most part. It's a springboard for me to paint on the canvas of myself to herald my achievement, my this, and all of these different things. That's what it kind of leads to, okay? But in God's kingdom, in God's way, all right, in life with God, this is not what God is looking for, and it most certainly is not what God approves of. So the Bible gives us everything that we need to know by showing us what God approved confidence is. And so let's take some time and let's dive into that. And let's talk about that. What is God approved confidence? Okay. Number one, the first thing that you want to know, and we're going to go through some scriptures here. So I want you to just have your Bible and, uh, and follow along and, 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 and make sure you, you write these scriptures down so that you have it and then take it into your, your prayer time and in your study time and go over these things so that God can speak this into your heart so that God can make this a part of your everyday life. That way you can share it with people. And while at the same time you're sharing it with people, you're accurately modeling it in your life behavior. So that means you're living it. 
Amen. So what is God approved confidence? All right. Number one, the first thing you need to understand is, is that it originates. God approved confidence originates with God and is rooted in his unchanging and faithful nature. You must understand when it comes to confidence, God approved confidence, number one, what are we talking about when we say that it is rooted in and his unchanging uh, ways or nature and his faithful nature? What are we actually saying? We're saying this, God does not change and God absolutely does not lie. We can have confidence in God. The type of confidence God wants us to have is a confidence that is rooted in the fact that God does not change and that God is forever faithful. In understanding this, that means that we've got to go to the scripture in order to prove this out. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 26. We're talking about that unchanging and, and that faithful nature of God. Amen. Proverbs 3, 26 says this, for the Lord shall be thy confidence. Amen. Amen. And shall keep thy foot from being taken. Now, what's interesting about this particular text here, family, is that the word foot here is actually a literal foot. It's not a metaphor in this text, okay? So it's not a symbol for something else. It is literally talking about the physical foot. And he says that the confidence, amen, that the Lord is our confidence, amen. He is your confidence. God is your confidence. All that he is, is supposed to be your confidence, amen. Now, now just that alone, goes right in the face of what the world says that confidence is. The world gives a definition for confidence, but then the Lord gives a different a definition. He tells you right there in Proverbs 3.26, for the Lord shall be what? Thy confidence. That means God is, uh, is the believer's confidence. Not what the believer can come up with, not what I'm able to, to develop, not what, I, not what I'm able to grow into and all of these different things. And I know that's different than what the world teaches, but that's the way that it is. We are part of God's heavenly kingdom. If we have been born again, baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, we are part of God's kingdom, family. And as, and as part of God's kingdom, you need to understand things are done differently than the way the world does it. God don't march to the beat of the world's drum. It just don't work that way. God has a whole different set and a whole different way of doing things and, and desire for things to be done when it comes to his kingdom. Proverbs 3.26 says, for the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Now, I told you it was interesting that he used that word foot there because, and it's an actual foot. Amen. Okay. Uh, talking about that which is below the ankle. That's how literal the scripture is if you were to break that, if you were to break that down. It's interesting because what he, the writer is saying here, what Solomon is actually saying here is, is, is that God, not only is he, your, 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 is he our confidence, but he's able and he will keep us not just from spiritually being taken, <laughs> not just mentally 
being taken. But God is able to actually keep you from physically being taken. Now, that is a wonderful thing. And, and, so, and if you're listening to this, what, no matter where you are, what time it is that you're listening to this, this ought to be a huge moment for you to actually stop and just praise God. Because we serve a God that not only is he our confidence, but he is able to keep you, not just in, look, not just in the spiritual sense and not just into, in the mental sense, but you serve a real God who is able to keep you in every situation and every circumstance, even if that circumstance should be physical or in the natural. Amen. Look at Numbers 23, 19. Talking about our faith has got to be rooted in unchanging and faithful nature of God. Amen. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should what? Lie. God don't lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall not make it good? Brothers and sisters, we have confidence in God. Our confidence is based in God because God is truthful. God does not lie. We can have confidence in God because we can trust God. Amen. Amen. Look at Titus uh, verse uh, one, verses one through one and two. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that what cannot lie promised before the world again. You see God building on it. Look at him go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, building on this truth, this cardinal truth, this, this in, upon which our confidence, the confidence of the believer should rest on. God cannot lie. If God said he's going to do something, family, let me tell you something. God's going to do it. If God said he's going to accomplish something, he's going to bring something to pass, you just wait on it. Get your popcorn. I'm telling you right now, get your popcorn, sit back and, and, and be faithful to God because God will surely bring it to pass. Look at 1 Samuel 15, 28 and 29. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than you. He's talking to Saul right now, because remember, Saul got all the way disobedient. He had one job to do. He had one thing God told him to do, and he didn't do that. Allowed that greed and that, that corruption, all that other kind of stuff got in there, and he disobeyed God. And so now the punishment is being handed out. Samuel, the prophet, is talking to Saul, letting him know, hold on, that kingdom that you have, that's done. God's taking it from you, giving it to somebody else. Who's he going to give it to? David. So he says, hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also, verse 29, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Uh-oh, do you see God building on it? Building on, build, do you see him building, giving you reasons to have confidence, family? 
I know this world has a way of trying to intimidate us and make us feel that uh, ashamed and 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 fearful, and that 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 and that our hope is gone and that we don't have confidence. But look at God turning that all around right here in three verses. He just told in four verses actually he's already turned it around. In fact, it was turned around in the first one when we looked at Proverbs three and twenty six when he said, "For I the Lord, I, he, for the Lord shall be thy confidence." Amen. Amen. But as we get to Psalms. Uh, excuse me, to 1 Samuel 15, 28 and 29, we just looked at verse 29, God builds on that same thing, that he can't lie, and that he's not a man, he don't, he don't, he don't do what we do, amen, God's trustworthy, look at Psalms 33, 11 and 12, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he have chosen for his own inheritance. Amen. Look at James uh, 1 and 17. Every gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. That Those two scriptures that I just gave you, you know what they prove? They're telling you that God don't change. God don't change. We can have confidence because God is truthful. And we can have confidence, why? Because God don't change. Doesn't change at all. That's significant, why? Because it means that if God said something, he ain't gonna change it. And that includes what he's told you he's going to do. Now, what did God tell you he's going to do? It's in that word, amen. When God tells you that he's going to do something, this is how you can tell if God is telling you versus you're imagining things or you come up with your own stuff. When God speaks, God never speaks in a manner that is inconsistent with what, inconsistent with what he has already said. Everything that God speaks, including to you, you know God is speaking when it is consistent and it is in line with the word of God. You get a whole lot of people who are always going around talking about, you know, God told me this, God told me that. You know, that's funny. How come what you coming up with, the Bible don't support? Let me make that easy for you because God ain't told you nothing. When God speaks, brothers and sisters, God does not speak in a manner that will contradict what he already said. We just going to establish that now because there are a lot of people who struggle in that area, believe it or not. They want to hear the voice of God and, they, they're, and they're trying to recognize the word of God. And God has given us the spirit of discernment. But how does that work? Well, you got to have the word because the word of God is absolutely true north for the child of God. It is the measuring stick by which we measure everything. You know that God is speaking when what he is telling you is in line with what he's already told you in the scripture. Amen, amen, amen. Look at Malachi 3 and 6. For I am the Lord, I what? Change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Look at 2 Timothy 1 and 12. For the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against 
that day. God is trustworthy. Amen. Amen. And I told you, our confidence originates with God and is, and is rooted in his unchanging and his, un, and his faithful nature. Amen. That's the first point. Second point is, is that God-approved confidence stands on the covenants of God. Okay, we're defining what is this God-approved confidence? Okay, we already know what the world says, but we're looking at what God says. God-approved confidence stands on the covenants of God. Amen. Believers have a contract or a covenant with God, and God keeps covenant, period. Glory to God. God keeps covenant. Our confidence stands on the truth, the reality that we are in covenant with God and God is a covenant keeping God. Look at Jeremiah 32 and 40. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Look at Hebrews 9, 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the, transgr of the transgression that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eter eternal inheritance. And when we talk about that testament, what are we talking about? We're talking about a covenant. That's what that is. Amen. Look at Genesis 9, 16. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. This is that rainbow that God put in the, in the sky that is a symbol of the covenant that God has with all of creation to do what? Not flood it again. Amen. And guess what? We are so many centuries removed from that. And God has not flooded the whole world again. Why? Because he's a covenant-keeping God. And that bow or that rainbow it was a symbol of that covenant. Amen. Look at Genesis 17 and 7. Amen. Talking to Abraham. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generation for a what everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And then look at Psalms 89 and 34. My covenant, this is God talking, will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Can the child of God have confidence? Absolutely. Why? Because we have a contract or a covenant with a God who always fulfills his end of the bargain. Now, me and you, we might be challenged in that area. That's where we mess up. We don't, we don't do what we're supposed to do. But God, he don't have no such trouble. God does not break covenants. No, he does not. And we have, can have confidence in God because we are in 
covenant with God. We are in contract with God. And because we are in contract with God, there are terms and conditions that God has voluntarily agreed to abide by. And because he signed his name on the dotted line, because he signed the contract, glory to God, and he's a covenant contract keeping God, we can have confidence. Amen. Amen. Building these real talk about that God-approved confidence. The third uh, reason for God-approved confidence is, is that God-approved confidence is inspired by past deliverance. Or I should say, God-approved confidence should be inspired by past deliverances. Remembering what God has done for you. Remembering where God brought you from. Those all should become reasons to establish and reconfirm and build up your confidence. Amen. Not confidence in yourself, but confidence in your God. Look at Psalms 22, 4 and 5. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and what were delivered? They trusted in thee and were not confounded. Look at Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Look at Deuteronomy 7 and 18. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Look at Deuteronomy 20 and 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou. Be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I love that one. He said, when you go out to battle and you see all the horses and you see all the chariots and you see all of the people and how they're more than you, how the odds look to be against you, how the numbers seem to be against you. Look at what God said, be not afraid. When it looks insurmountable, be not afraid. Do you hear God building your confidence? Do you feel God building your confidence? I hope as we go through this with every single scripture, God is reestablishing, reconfirming and rebuilding, even rekindling that fire of confidence, not on yourself and not in yourself, but on him, amen, glory to God, as you remember what your God is able to do. Look at Joshua 1 and 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Do you remember what he did? Glory to God. Look at verse Samuel 17, 37. David said, moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Look at God bringing us out of trouble, just like he did with David, out of the hands of the enemy. And he said, just like I was with him, I'll be with you. Glory to God. Look at Psalms. 44. And I want you to look at verses one through eight. 
We're building up this, we're building up this confidence, but we're building up the right kind of confidence. We have heard with our ears, oh God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantedest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. I mean, they didn't do it on their own. Neither did their own arm save them. Wasn't by their own strength. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverance. For Jacob, through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God, we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. Do you see that? Do you see that? God-approved confidence is inspired by past deliverances, what God brought you through, how he saw you through from beginning to end. You got to remember that. When that confidence is feeling low and you're feeling depleted and you're feeling like you can't make it and you're not going to be able to take it. And it seems like the odds are against you. You got to remember what God has done. God approved confidence next. This fourth thing is rooted in his word. Look at Proverbs 30, 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. And we're going to focus just on verse 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word is pure. Look at Psalms 119 verses 140. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Don't you just love God's word? I love how pure and how holy God's word is, how complete it is, how powerful it is. I just love it, just like the psalm writer. And then look at Isaiah. 55, 10 through 11. Remember, God-approved confidence is rooted in the word. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God sent his word out. It ain't coming back void. No, it's going to come back having accomplished exactly what God set it out to do. Amen. God approved confidence is rooted in his word. It has a knowledge of his word. It has a respect for its word and for his word. It has a love for his word. Amen. Fifth thing, God inspired confidence does is that God inspired confidence, the kind of confidence God wants you to have. It's not just a confidence rooted in his word, but it is a confidence that always keeps Jesus in view. Look at Romans 8, 38, 39. 
For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. Look at Romans 8 and 1. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Notice the catch in that one. You got to be walking not after the flesh. That don't apply to you if you're walking in the flesh. You're walking in sin, that don't apply to you. You can't use that. That's not going to work for you. That's not going to build your confidence. But if you're walking in that spirit, that applies to you. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, and verse chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God, in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Amen. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians. Look at Hebrews, rather, 7, 22 through 25. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Remember, I told you the testament is a covenant. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth forever or continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to also, or he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Amen. Amen. Those, 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 those five things constitute God-approved confidence. Amen. Number one, it originates with God and it's rooted in his unchanging and faithful nature. Number two, God-approved confidence stands on the covenants of God. We can have confidence because we have a contract with God and God is a covenant keeping God. Number three, God approved confidence is inspired by past deliverance. Our confidence builds every time we replay the mental tape regarding what our God has done for others and what he's done for us. All you got to do is go back down memory lane and your confidence, especially if you're lacking, especially if, it, if you're a little deficient in that area, it'll build. Oh, yeah, God to kindle that right back up. And number four, God-approved confidence is rooted in his word. You got to have a love for his word. And when you have that love for his word, when you believe in that word and you understand that God's word, when he gives it out, it does not come back void. It accomplishes what God sends it to. That will strengthen and reinvigorate your confidence, not as the world has it, but it will reinvigorate it and inspire it in the area and in the manner that God wants it. And finally, number five, God-approved confidence always keeps Jesus in view. Amen. Confidence, we can have it. Why? Because our Lord and Savior lives. He's there. He's right there. Has always been there. And you know what? He ain't going nowhere. 
And guess what? That means that you and I, no matter how it looks, we don't have to run. No, 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 no. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm here to set it straight. Our God will lift up a standard against him. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing to know. The other thing to know is, is that there are some benefits that come along with God-approved confidence. And those benefits are that confidence, when we have God-approved confidence, it does some things for you. The first thing that it does for you is, is that confidence in God's, that God-approved confidence, amen, removes from us the fear of disaster or things not working out. When we have confidence, God-approved confidence, it removes the fear of disaster. Psalms 46, one and two says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Do you see that? God is our refuge. He's our strength. Very present help in trouble. And because he's that, I don't have to have fear. That confidence in God, that God-approved confidence removes that fear that fear of disaster or calamity or trouble or things that are not working out. Confidence in God, God-approved confidence produces hope in the believer. Because when we have confidence in God's purposes, what God is doing, what God intends to do, it produces hope. Psalms 130, seven and eight says this, let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is what? Mercy. And with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. What are you really saying here? In this, I'm saying we can have hope because Jesus saves. He is our savior. Another benefit of God-approved confidence is, is that when we have confidence in God's presence, it makes us bold. Confidence in God's presence provides boldness to the life of the believer. Isaiah 44, 8 says, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Look at Jeremiah 1 and 8. Be 
not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I can be his witness. Because he's there with me. He's there with you. You can stand tall. You can square your shoulders. And you can look this world right in the eye without fear and without being intimidated. Because your God, the only true God, is right there by your side. Amen. Confidence in God enables the believer. This is another benefit to endure difficulties. Second Timothy 3, 10 through 11 says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. You hear Paul talking there? God talking through Paul? Look at Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. The laborer of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon high places to the chief singer of the stringed instruments. That's a Beckett. 3, 17 through 19. And finally, another benefit to God-approved confidence, the type of confidence that God gives us the ability to have is that God-approved confidence leads to an awareness of security, that you're safe in him. Proverbs 4.26 says this, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Psalms 121 verses one through three puts it like this. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Brothers and sisters, be of good courage. Have confidence. Remind yourself of who he is and that you belong to him. 
And when you do that, you'll find yourself being able to declare like the psalm writer did in our scripture text, Psalms 20, seven through nine, that seventh verse, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Though they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Brothers and sisters, may you always have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Until next time. Wow.